are listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host, Sutta Singh. Each week, we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging, and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So, if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you. My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Roma Palwani, a communications specialist, former president and senior advisor communications and brand at the Vedanta Group, and an independent director and board member. Good morning, Roma. Thank you for making time to be a guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Morning, Sudha. I'm really delighted to be invited to share some of my personal stories of my checkered career in your podcast. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So to start with, please introduce yourself and it would be great to hear a bit about your background or some of the things you'd like to share. Sure. So I have been the uh, president of Vedanta Group for almost seven to eight years and just recently moved into an advisory role as a communication specialist. I was looking after brand and communications at the Vedanta Group. Prior to that, I was also the EVP and chief communications officer at the Mahendra Group for communications. So both these have been very large part of my career. And of course, a career, as I said, is checkered because I've dabbled in many things which are to do with creativity. So I've been a creative consultant in the past. I have also lived in Norway and worked as a communication specialist there as well. My education has been largely in Mumbai. I've been an economics and political science graduate from a leading college in Mumbai, from Bombay University as well as done my postgrad in marketing from a big university. And then generally, we have been very well exposed to executive education at the Harvard Business School, as the Michigan Ross School of Management. So those have been very uh, insightful leadership training that I have received. I have over more than three decades of experience as a communication specialist. But frankly, my career in PR started It was a chance which I took on at a time when I was not a PR specialist. I was a marketing communications manager in a computer education company, which was a very small company at that time. It was just a 500 crore company led by Ganesh Natarajan. And he offered me that role. And I said, I don't think I'm really suited for it because I'm very candid, outspoken. And he said, you know, Roma, that is your speciality and that will hold you in good stead in this profile as well. I said, well, I'm willing to try, but I'm not sure whether I'm the perfect fit for it. But frankly, I think he felt that I could do it more than I could. And I don't think I've looked back since then. And I guess he was right. Absolutely. So moving on, you worked for over three decades when you began your career many years ago. Did you ever imagine that you would be in leadership roles? You would take several leadership roles, actually, in the industry in which you work? Well, honestly, no. Back then, there were only stereotype roles for women. So I started my career and grew in a company called Larson & Group. 
It is one of the largest manufacturing company. You must be aware of them. And I actually joined them when I was studying and I was in my college and I grew from the ranks over there. And it was a time where I think I learned a lot of things which has held me in good stead now. I used to wake up early in the morning, do my uh, classes, rush to work. Even in my post-graduation days, I used to do a full day's job and then go to evening classes, you know, wait at the bus stop, very tired after that uh, long uh, lecture. Yeah. But I think that really was the starting point of my career, where the deal with my father was that I will not give up education. And that's when he allowed me to start my career very young. I think I was only 19 at that time. Wow. So in your checkered career, as you've mentioned, you've done various things. You've taken up various roles with some of the leading organizations in the world. Have you faced any challenges during this time because of who you are? And I'm sure all of us face some challenges, but are there some challenges that really stood out and impacted you as an individual? Yes, Sudha, I think uh, I could say yes and no, because every challenge I saw was an opportunity to excel. I remember when I first was given the supervisory role in Larsen Juro, I was made to now become the executive assistant to the general manager, which at that time was quite a senior role and a very, very important role working with the then general manager of the company. I was just 22 years old, if I remember. And I just finished my post-graduation, got my diploma, and I applied for the job. Now, somewhere you see in manufacturing companies, the mindset is that they want people who are engineers and who have done their MBA. And I was really not suited with that kind of an educational qualification. And the, the general manager told me that if you succeed in the next six months, you will be evaluated or you will be pushed back into your old role. And I took up that challenge. Maybe I was foolhardy at that time. <laughs> but when I was given those six months, I know from then on, I had to earn my stripes each time. And I didn't want it any other way. So I think that was the starting point. And then, of course, every woman faces some kind of glass ceiling as you grow in your career. But I didn't let that deter me. Because I had many, many bosses who really supported me. And I'm very thankful for that. That's really nice to know that you've had supportive bosses. So moving on from there, let's talk about leadership. The definition of leadership is evolving, has been evolving forever. But in the past two years, it's like accelerated. And what leadership looks like today is very different from what it looked like just two years ago. And of course, good leaders have always been good leaders. But what does leadership mean to you? In my case, it was slightly different because I had possibly come from a time when leadership or your values start at home. And I was brought up in a home which was a place where the family members were treated equally, whether you were a girl or a boy. And possibly that shaped my independent attitude. And having both educated parents who had moved from Pakistan to Mumbai and they were both doing well in the way they, they shaped my career. So I think if I look at that part of my life, that possibly developed my leadership style unconsciously. So starting as a shy backbencher in school, I tried to see what is life going to give me. And my father used to drop me to school every day. 
And every time I tried to match your strides, and I must say those strides were very difficult to achieve. And you, you can understand what I mean by that. And he helped me gain that confidence that there is more in life that I can do. And from that shy backbencher, I became uh, a person of my own right, even very young, which is why I started working very young. And I think then you become a poised and confident leader of tomorrow. And I must say, my family helped me in that. But today, if you were to take effective leadership, I think both leadership and communication are intertwined. The best leaders are skilled communicators. We all demonstrate empathy. We demonstrate integrity, confidence, along with humility. And above all, I think we are committed to the, the work that we do, the organization that we belong to, and we are accountable. I think for me, the buck stops with me. Bouquets are welcome for my teams, but the brickbats are welcome only to me. I think these are traits which you have to develop if you want to be seen as an effective leader. Very interesting. So, Roma, do you believe that women lead differently? And what is your leadership style? You've alluded to some of the leadership lessons that you learned from home, from your parents, from your father. But what has that style been? And has it evolved over time as you've grown as an individual in the industry? No, absolutely. I mean, leadership styles keep evolving. And we have the ability to demonstrate emotional intelligence. And we are more self-aware. I think we are decisive, yet flexible, and bring to the high table a sense of balance and an equitable mindset. Yeah, that's very interesting. And your leadership style, would you say that you started out thinking differently and you've moved? We all evolve as human beings, but in terms of how you engage with your teams, perhaps, or how you lead I completely agree with you, as I said earlier, that yes, our leadership styles evolve. And for me, it's important today to see how over a period of time I have delegated, I've empowered people to grow as young leaders, and that has made them succeed. So I think in the early days, you have to keep proving yourself as a capable leader, you're being direct, then you learn to coach people, then you're supportive, and then you learn to delegate to empower. I think I have gone through those stages in my career. And today, I am very happy that I'm at a stage when I can mentor young professionals, and they are potential leaders in the making, and also provide them appropriate platforms to really bloom. So I think this way I have changed my leadership style. I can give you an example. And when I was called back to Vedanta by the chairman, Anil Agarwal's daughter, Priya, she did tell me that I need you to mentor me so that I can segue into the organization more seamlessly because I want to do that. Yeah. And I must say these three years working with her, today she is so confident. She has grown to be a poised and humane leader. She's also leading the top management, which is the group management board, and leading it to build a purpose-driven organization, which I think in itself is a challenge, but she's taken it up very well. And she's leveraging sustainable development, which she saw was my forte, to drive the net zero 
commitment of reducing the carbon footprint by 2050 for the group. Now, that is a tall order for a young leader like her, but she has that power of persuasion. And not just by the role that she plays as the daughter of the chairman, but as a leader herself. Beautiful example that you've shared. And good luck to this wonderful young woman. She seems to be on the right track with your mentorship. So what do you think are the most significant barriers to women in leadership in India? We've been talking about leadership, women on boards. The number of women CEOs and CFOs is still abysmally low. The numbers of independent directors has increased over a period of time because of the legislation and what the Ministry of Corporate Affairs has been trying to do. What are your thoughts on this? So I've been very fortunate with this legislation. I was brought in also as an independent director for a company, which is the Indian subsidiary of a Belgian company called John Cockrell. And I've been there with them for almost seven years now in my second stint with them. And being a professional, I realized that What I bring to the table as a woman leader, as a woman independent director, really balances the boardroom discussions and makes it much more enriched. And you've seen that data also says that when there are women directors on the board, the organization itself evolves into discussions at the board level, balanced towards CSR, towards sustainability, risk management which probably is not only dealing with numbers and business, right? Yeah. This has helped many boards to really get the right kind of professionals. But at the same time, we are still grappling with the fact that many Indian companies have women directors who are there by virtue of they being the wives of the owners or by actually owning part of that organization. But what I've seen in the recent times is that they have realized that they have to better equip themselves so that they can be part of the board deliberations and not just be a figure present because they have to do the numbers right. So that difference I'm seeing with many younger uh, women leaders who are coming into the boards, but they're adding value to the boards. Now, those are the difference I see in the board compositions and their uh, acumen to be much more useful to the board deliberations than what it was, let's say, a few years back. Okay. But are there at this point in time, would you say there is a lack of women who could be sitting at the board level or women who could be CEOs in India? Because I don't think it's an issue of lack of talent. So it's not an issue of lack of talent. I think uh, the way opportunities are being created now is far more easier than what it was earlier for people like us. There were few opportunities at that point in time. But for women themselves, they have to develop their self-belief and in their power to lead. If they have that confidence to take charge, be accountable, then many forward-looking organizations will, will definitely want them on their boards or want them as CEOs, in their organization. Now, take a, a manufacturing company like Mahindra's. They have so many women leaders leading absolutely male-dominated profiles of work. Yeah. And the women leaders who feel that they are confident to take on these responsibilities, they should grab that opportunity. They should not hesitate 
And I noticed that many of these women do hesitate and they think that they may not be able to do justice both to their homes and to their workplace. I think that is a myth that we need to uh, address and make it possible for women to have that flexibility at work where they can still be leading the teams and be able to manage their workplace. And look at it today, Sudha, in today's context, we are in a virtual world. Flexibilities are being offered to everybody. And why not seize the opportunity? Absolutely. Agree with you totally on this. The same is true for the PR industry. So the PR industry is like a microcosm of what is happening in corporate India and at the leadership level. So especially in the bigger agencies, it should not be a challenge considering that a majority of the people who work in the industry are women. Why do you think that they still continue to be constrained? Is it the same as the rest of India, the issues that you've spoken about, or are there other systemic issues? So I think as far as the PR industry is concerned, we surely are in a sweet spot in this sector, right? There are many, many women who are really leading many verticals and they're doing very well. There are many CEOs of many global PR firms who are doing well. And I don't see women not taking the lead in the PR field because they feel that they can add more value to a client and create a purpose-driven strategy for them as compared to men who would not possibly think in that direction. So you will see many women PR professionals wanting to join this profession now than earlier when PR was not structured. You know, PR was not a structured function. I must say when about 20 years back, when I was trying to put that structure in place, I was then labeled that she has managed to bring strategic communication to the high table. But I also was given the opportunity by a very forward-looking chairman like Anand Mahendra, right? So we have to create those opportunities for ourselves, for the profile of work that we do, that we are not somebody who just writes a press release once your business proposition is in place. You are part of the business cycle. And your function actually adds the dimension right when you start the process of creating a business goal, which is what I think is important to understand. And women can do that equally well or even better than men. (laughs) That is true. What, according to you, are the three biggest challenges facing leaders in India today, considering that we live in an ever-changing world? One crisis follows another crisis. You're right. I think leaders today have to battle and survive in a VUCA world. The pandemic has really shown us a mirror of reality, which was earlier unknown to the world at large. Now you have to adapt to the virtual world because that is reality for you now. And to be able to do that, you have to be able to see disaster coming so that you protect your business You're seeing that the youth today have a lot of mental health as a problem, which today leaders have to understand, empathize and face it and also resolve it and manage the young generation when they're trying to grow in this VUCA world. So I think the whole change which we have to bring in is to be more adaptable, be more flexible to the environment. And then, as I always give this classic example, is to pivot effectively. You have to now unlearn your old ways, 
grow from those failures that you had earlier. Start celebrating the small successes that you have now uh, managed in the last two years. Relearn from those experiences and then move forward with much more confidence and new insights, which now will be the key attributes I would expect from any aspiring woman leader. Create your own personal brand. When you associate with a bigger cause than you, people start looking up to you as a woman leader who has been resilient, who has managed the kind of adversity that we faced in the last two years and adapted to it, pivoted and still succeeded. True. And for aspiring women leaders, what would be the key skills that they require to thrive and grow? Because from your previous response, we know that they have an issue of confidence or self-belief where they step back because they think they may not be able to do something well, even though they may have their relevant experience and the qualifications to do that job. So what would be the key skills that you would ask aspiring women to work on? So, Like I said earlier, the women lack their self-belief. They have to get their self-belief absolutely in the forefront because if they don't think that they can achieve and succeed and they can take charge and lead teams. Take, for example, recently Anand Mahindra complimented a young lady on the shop floor who's leading a team of 700 people in the Nasik manufacturing unit and she's leading 700 men, right? So I think if you can get that kind of mindset cultivated, and you are able to lead in that context, then there are many opportunities that you will get. And I always said that you have to communicate effectively. Articulate your vision with clarity, with purpose. Make people stand up and listen to you and be guided by you. I think that is also very important. And then, of course, as I said, the adaptability and flexibility to pivot, that is my favorite example of how yeah. dolphins, um, you know, actually you've seen them dance and they dance in rhythm. Yeah. And why do they do that? Because their leader, their conductor, sends clear instructions which they follow, else there'll be chaos, right, in yeah. any organization. Yeah, yeah. If you do that effectively and be articulate enough and give that uh, sense of confidence to your teams, I think there is no chance they will not succeed. Some really good suggestions over there. So coming back to you, who are your role models or who were your role models and who are the people who inspire you? You know, strangely, all my role models have been my bosses, right from when I was a 19-year-old and he was a 50-year-old and I would look up to and say, oh my God, he's quite an old uh, gentleman. (laughs) He was one who actually taught the ropes to start my corporate career. He taught me what the pitfalls are, how to manage those pitfalls. I think I'm really indebted to him. His name is Mr. B.I. Bambani. He has passed away. May his soul rest in heaven. He was my best teacher to start with. Then as I moved and evolved into my career, I had the opportunity to work with a very, very passionate leader called Ganesh Natarajan, who's the one who changed my career path. And I went from marketing to PR and who really had that belief in me that I could deliver and succeed. So he was my second role model. 
The third one I remember very clearly, and I still remember a small little incident which made me uh, feel so special by him, was Ruiz Krugwala. And I happened to join UTV and wanted to uh, pursue my creative uh, career. And I became one of his, uh, his uh, senior members. And every birthday, he would bring a cake onto your table, sing happy birthday for you, and the whole team would join him. You know, these are small little things, but they seem etched in your memory. And he did that with every team member. He would call you to his room. He would bring that cake to your table. And he would sing that uh, song for you. And those are touching moments, right? Those are leadership traits, which you don't find in everybody. Absolutely. He actually developed my global mindset. He sent me to Tampa. He wanted me to learn uh, a new kind of business proposition, which is selling on television, which was home shopping. It was an unheard of at that point in time. And I learned and I was exposed to that kind of global mindset to go and see how people work in the U.S. at a time when nobody thought of it. And then, of course, coming to my stint in Norway, I was very fortunate to meet a Finnish lady. Her name is Tuya, and she was the MD of an Indian company called eBookers, an e-commerce portal for tourism, came back. Luckily, Anand Mahindra wanted somebody with a corporate background and a global mindset. And I think I fitted the bill and, and I got that opportunity. And he was the one who empowered me to create the magic of the Mahindra brand. That was the journey that I went on to come to Anilagarwa, somebody who had started right again from the ranks and grown to be a billionaire. He taught me to be fearless and bold, which I was, but I think he gave me the opportunity to be that. And he said, Roma, you need to build the Vedanta brand and you need to nurture the brand. And I did that for him. So I think these are all people who were role models. You must have good mentors in your life. And they are the ones who really tend to actually create your career path. But inspiration yeah. comes from them for business. But I am inspired by women like Oprah Winfrey, what she has done in the entertainment industry, or closer to home as Sudha Narayanan. See what she's done, a humble lady. She speaks from her heart and she speaks the truth, right? So these are people who always will stand out and who will lead. And these are people who inspire me constantly. Then there are younger generations. I think there's a host of young leaders who have done things so differently that I keep admiring them, like learning from them. Yeah. Nothing never stops. But you've articulated it so beautifully uh, about your mentors and that you'd had them right through your journey. They've probably helped shape your career and the direction and your leadership. That's incredible and inspiring. And we're at the last question. Any recommendations on courses, books, podcasts that aspiring leaders should listen to if they want to embark on that journey? One such certainly is your purpose room. I was going through all your interviews and they were so, so good. And they they had a wide variety of leadership uh, traits that came out from their expressions. But today there are so many apps and podcasts that people have access to. The apps are all there on, uh, you know, on tap. We didn't possibly have that opportunity. Today for leadership development, I don't think we should even specify an app or a podcast there is so much out there Absolutely. even Harvard has started online classes and they are 
having people come and do their skill development on leadership online. So with this virtual world, things have opened up. But for me, as today, if I go back 30 years and see, I still feel that today, the book that was my self-help Bible was the One Minute Manager by Spencer Johnson and, and Ken Blanchard. It is an amazing book for every young leader. It helps them change their mindset, put their egos aside, understand where they have to put their principles aside when they're seeing new things evolving in front of them. Otherwise, they will never grow to be great leaders. So I think resilience teaches you many lessons and you learn to adapt. If you go back and read that book, I think there's a second edition and there's a third edition. Yeah. It still is so relevant. Absolutely. It still continues to be relevant today. I think you've given a lot of food for thought. And this has been such an uplifting conversation, Roma. I'm really inspired. So thank you so much for making time for this conversation. It's been an amazing conversation. And I'm sure all the listeners will find tremendous value from it. Thank you so much, Sudha, for inviting me. I'm so happy and glad that I could do it. And I look forward to hearing it once you've edited it. So I'm really, really happy that I could contribute. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us this week on the Elephant in the Room podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, don't forget to write a review and tell your friends. Sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.